You're listening to the Homeschooling Families Podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome! Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today's guest has an incredible story to share. You'll hear about unbelievable maturity in a little girl as she faced loss and disappointment and had to care for not only herself, but also her little sister. As she'll share it with us shortly, I imagine you'll stand in awe as I did of how God protected and cared for her and then made a way for her to be introduced to His amazing love and grace. You absolutely don't want to miss a minute. Elizabeth Goff grew up in an orphanage in Ukraine and had a really rough childhood, but God didn't leave her in a difficult situation. She received an Operation Christmas Child shoebox and heard the good news of Jesus' love for her. Not too long after that, she was adopted and moved to the U.S. While in college, she started an Operation Christmas Child club, and throughout her life, she's participated in packing thousands of shoeboxes. As you'll find out later in this episode, Elizabeth has recently reconnected with her sister, who she hadn't seen since childhood. And she's had the opportunity to show her Jesus' love in very practical ways as well. You don't want to miss a minute of this episode. Before we hear Elizabeth's story, I want to make sure you're aware of what I truly believe is the best spot on the internet for homeschool moms. Teach Them Diligently 365. With a membership to TTD 365, you get access to our audio vault of every workshop given at a Teach Them Diligently event through the years. That's literally thousands of workshops available on demand whenever you need encouragement or help with a specific issue. But the audio vault is just the beginning of the awesomeness that awaits you in 365. You also have access to every virtual event we've ever produced, exclusive new monthly content from me and from other members and experts, community groups and discussions, retreats, regular meetups, and more. The community and discipleship that happens within it are truly the power behind TTD 365. Moms there are growing together and thriving because there is always someone ready to answer a question, give an idea, or help carry their burden by praying for them and encourage them. Get a membership to Teach Them Diligently 365 today and see how it can transform your homeschooling efforts as well. Go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash join TTD 365 to learn more and sign up now. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net forward slash join TTD 365 to learn more and sign up now. Today's episode is brought to you by Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child demonstrates God's love to children worldwide by delivering gift-filled shoeboxes and the good news of Jesus Christ. Each shoebox is an opportunity for a child to hear the gospel and be invited into a 12-lesson discipleship program, The Greatest Journey. Since 1993, more than 198 million children have received a shoebox gift. And since 2010, more than 30.9 million children have been discipled. Children are now praying for and sharing their faith with family and friends. As a result of this ever-expanding witness, new churches are starting and communities are being transformed. 
Together, we can work to see a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9-10. Learn more about packing shoeboxes at Samaritan's Purse slash OCC. And find fun resources for your family at SamaritansPurse.org slash Children's-Ministry-Resources. We'll include both of those links in the show notes today. National Collection Week is coming up November 14th through 21st, so get your family together and go out shopping and start packing those shoeboxes today. You'll have a lot of fun when you do. I am so excited to have Elizabeth Groff with us today. Elizabeth grew up in the Ukraine. She has a phenomenal story about how, well, actually just about growing up there, but also about how Jesus's love transformed her life and how she learned about that through a really simple gift. So I can't wait for her to tell you her story and for you to get to meet her as well. So Elizabeth, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am so glad you're here. I, For those who are listening in and don't know, we have had some pretty severe uh, some uh, technical difficulties here. So very thankful that we are getting back on our feet because uh, really excited for them to hear your story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up um, in Ukraine and just kind of what your life was like there? Sure, of course. Um, So I was uh, born and raised in a southern part of Ukraine in a small town called Tsurupinsk. Today, the town is known as Aleshki. And my father was an alcoholic. And so when I was about one, he was killed in an alcohol-related accident. And my mom was just not able to deal with the pain and, you know, the loss of her husband. So she turned to drinking and also became an alcoholic. Um, And then a few years down the road, my mom found out that she was pregnant with my little sister, Tanya. And um, after giving birth, she knew that she would not be able to provide for us on her own or to support us financially. So so she packed us up and moved us to live with our grandparents um, in a nearby village called Lubimovka. Mm -hmm. And our life in a village was very, very simple. Um, For example, we shared a, a small cottage with my mom, my sister and my grandparents and We had our own livestock, chickens, pigs, the simple things. Um, And although our life in a village was much, much better, my mom's drinking never stopped. Um, It got much worse over the years and she was really not around very much. And, um, And my grandparents, you know, as they got older and more frail, they really couldn't take care of us either. Um, They couldn't work to support us. So we ended up losing all of our land and just became very, very poor. So as a result of that, I had to grow up and become the head of the household mm-hmm. at a very young age. Um, and so I was responsible for taking care of, you know, the cottage, for taking care of my sister, for taking care of my grandparents, and of course, for putting food on our table, which basically consisted of me going from cottage to cottage and just begging for food because, you know, I was not able to work at that young age. How, um, how old were you, Elizabeth, when... You all of this responsibility and all of these harsh realities really placed on your shoulders. I was about six years old at that time. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, Um, so you 
your only recourse, like you were noting, was to go and ask people to help. Yes. I mean, I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't work because I was so little. Um, So I just, I would just go from house to house, uh, just begging for food. And, you know, thank goodness the villagers were very, very nice and were able to share some of their food with us. Wow. Wow. It is, it's, it's so hard to imagine. I was thinking as you were telling the first part of your story, it's hard to imagine because of the way that my reality has been. It's hard to imagine the alcoholism and the impact of that from both of your parents um, and the way that that impacted and changed your life so profoundly. But then the weight of all of this being on you so, so young, how did that, I mean, how did, how were you able to kind of wade through all of that as, I mean, you were a baby yourself taking care of your, what, I guess, two-year-old sister at the time. Yeah, she was very young. I think, you know, I just didn't know any better. You know, this kind of fell on my shoulders. Um, and all I wanted to do is really just provide for my sister. Um, that was my main motivation. But, you know, just being here now and being a woman, like looking back, I can see, you know, God acting in my life even from that young age. being with me all the time and just guiding me through all of that. Wow. Well, at, at some point during your life, um, I'm, I'm assuming that something changed where you were no longer either living with your grandparents, having to, to kind of fend for yourself in that way. What happened after all of that? Well, so, you know, after realizing that I do want to give my sister a better life and, subconsciously knowing that there is, there has to be something better out there for for us. I decided that, you know, I wanted to run away with my sister mm. in search of that new life. And this was at the age of seven. So wow. we did just that. I, I took her by the hand, we got on the bus and we left. Um, and the bus dropped us off at a nearby city at the bus station. And we were just hanging out at the bus station. We got hungry. So we decided to um, collect some empty bottles to sell those, to trade those in for money and then use that money to buy food. Hmm. And there was this small store near the bus station. So we went over there and the clerk, the very nice clerk actually invited, invited us in and set us down and gave us food and um, also called the police. Um, At which point police came, they scooped us up and took, took us to what we call a detention center. Um, And in Ukraine, it's a place where kids are typically taken up to a year until the matter is resolved legally. And that either means that the parents can reclaim their children or their parental rights are taken away. Wow. And um, yeah, so as we were, you know, at the detention center, our life was much better because we didn't have to worry about finding food and, mm-hmm. you know, having shelter over our head, things like that. And there were other kids there our age that we could play with. So that was really nice. Um, but after about, that one year at the detention center, my sister's biological father showed up. Um, So she's my half sister. And when he showed up at the detention center, he said that he was taking her home and that he didn't want me because I wasn't his daughter. Right. Um, And that they were, you know, much, much too poor to take care of two little girls at the same time. Hmm. Um, So that was, you know, that was a very defining moment in my life. And I can recall every single detail of that day. I remember just, you know, sitting on the steps and watching 
my sister walk away with her father, she was holding his hand and she turned around to wave goodbye at me. And she just had this huge smile on her face, you know, and just, I could see joy in her eyes, but all I could feel was complete heartbreak. I, I couldn't believe that the only family that I had left was being taken away from me and there was nothing that I could do about it. And you were and, what, you know, about eight at that time? Yes, I was about wow. eight. Oh, yeah. well, that is, yeah. that is just, it's truly just an unimaginable tale. And, and even as you're telling it, the, the amount of strength that you had as a young girl to, to stand there, to, to shoulder all of these things that you had to shoulder is, is truly miraculous, honestly. Thank you. I, I like to say the Holy Spirit was doing it all. He was in me. He was guiding me. <laughs> no question. Um, yes, no question. But yeah, even at that young, you know, young age of eight, I knew at that time that, you know, that was the best that I could do for my sister just to let her go. So that's what I did. I just put a smile on my face. I waved goodbye and that was it. And it was really hard. It was really difficult because I felt like my entire world just fell apart. Like everything just came crumbling down. And I just felt like I hit rock bottom. I was just hopeless at that point. I gave up. Wow. Um, and because my mother's rights were taken away and because my father was deceased, um, I officially became an orphan. And so at that point, they transferred me from the detention center to an orphanage um, in the city of Berdansk, which is in um, southeastern part of Ukraine. Okay. How far away was that from where you had lived with your grandparents and then kind of moved and ended up at the detention center? I think it's about two to three hours. Okay. So we're not very far. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, did you ever, were you ever able to see your mom again? Was, did she ever actually get reintroduced to your life at all? Um, so she actually did, um, come to the detention center once, um, she found out where we were stationed, which detention center, and she came to see us and it was not a very good encounter. If I'm being honest, you know, she was very mad at me for running away um, she was cussing at me and saying I was a bad daughter for taking, you know, for taking matters into my own hands. And, um, that was, that, that was the only encounter we had. <laughs> wow. I am so sorry. So once you got to the orphanage, then what happened next? Well, the orphanage was, I, it was actually one of the better orphanages in Ukraine. And I'm so thankful for that because I was, you know, able to participate in social cl uh, clubs like ballet and I was able to do soccer and other sports, with, which was wonderful. And our orphanage actually had its own school. Um, so I was able to attend school every day without being bullied by other children. Um, but when I turned 10, that's when my life truly changed on that day. I specifically remember the orphanage director, uh, she called my entire class, my classmates and myself into a small room. And she told us that we were going to receive gifts from people that wanted us to know that God loves us. Wow. And, you know, yeah. And then, but coming from my, you know, perspective, having been devastated by my family loss, it was really hard for me to believe that anyone loved me or that anyone cared. Um, but um, 
when they gave out these shoeboxes to us and once they presented the gospel, I was finally able to open my shoebox. And I remember just being so, so excited because first of all, this was the first gift that I had ever received in my life. Oh so my I just word. could wow. not wait. Yeah, I just could not wait. Um, and then when I finally got to open my shoebox and my box, I had, I remember very clearly crayons, um, coloring book, I had little girls accessories. Um, there were some school supplies, some hygiene items and a small uh, blue Bible. Hmm. But the one thing that really stood out to me was a yellow yo-yo, nice. a simple yellow yo-yo. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, at that time, I didn't even know how to use it. I had no idea. Um, but that didn't really matter to me because it wasn't about the toy itself, about it was about what it represented to me. And to me, that yo-yo represented hope. Wow. You know, hope that hope that someone cared. And I couldn't believe that some stranger somewhere in the world packed this shoebox just for me. And, you know, on that day, receiving that shoebox, I realized that I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I realized that God is not going to leave me at the bottom in my broke brokenness, but that he's going to come beside me and become my family in that many. Is, yeah, that is, that is an amazing thing. And I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but as you were talking, it's so incredible to see the immediate impact and how God just like you, the, the open doors that these little tiny gifts of love actually just spring open in the hearts and lives of others. And I think that for those of us who are here, who are on this side of the story, it's really, really hard for us to imagine the the depth of the impact that these little boxes have. Yes, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was like being at the orphanage. I was attending church every Sunday and it was an Orthodox church. So okay. I knew what church was. I knew there was a God but I never had a personal loving relationship with him. Mm. So when this shoebox came, it was that love of God presenting me in a tangible way as a shoebox. And that's when my heart just opened to the gospel and opened to him and he planted a seed in my heart. Wow. That's amazing. Well, so once you got your shoebox, once you got this gift and you were you know, all of the emotions, all of the excitement, all of the things that go along with it. What happened next? Were you able to dive into any of the other resources that, that Operation Christmas Child actually offers to children? At that time, when I received my shoebox, the greatest journey was not part okay. of delivering shoeboxes, but the gospel was presented to us and I did learn about God and how much he loves us. Wow. Um, yeah. And I just, I mean, that shoebox, that yo-yo, I held on to that yo-yo for so many years to come um, <laughs> until I was, yeah, until I was adopted at the age of 13. Wow. Well, tell us about that. How did, how did that come about? How did the Lord orchestrate your adoption and, you know, kind of where did you end up and what's happened since? Um, so when I was at the orphanage, um, as I mentioned, we did have a bunch of different social clubs that we could participate in. And one of the clubs that I was part of was um, choir. And the choir was actually sponsored by um, an organization called Heart for Orphans out of Virginia. We were sponsored to travel to United States for two weeks 
Um, and the whole point of the trip was to promote adoption. And during my first week in the United States, I stayed with a family in North Carolina. And during the second week, I stayed with a family in Virginia, which is my family now. Wow. And during that week, I mean, I just remember I loved my time with the family. It was so much fun. And I just felt like I fit right in. Mm. And on our last few days there, um, my entire family, we all packed into a car and we were on the way somewhere. I can't remember where, but I had fallen asleep in the backseat of the car. And so everyone left and my dad decided to stay with me in the car just to let me sleep and to keep an eye on me. And as he was sitting there in the front seat and he turned around to check on me, he heard very clearly God say, she is your daughter. Hmm. And he was like, what? <laughs> I didn't sign up That's for this Lord. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, no. Um, no, but you know, the next day they sat me down right before I left and they asked me if I wanted to be adopted. And I said, yeah, <laughs> duh, of course. <laughs> Um, and so they started the adoption process, which altogether took two years, wow. uh, during, during which time I went back to Ukraine and um, waited for them to come get me. And then finally, at the age of 13, um, they brought me home to America. Wow. That is, it, it's amazing. And we have so many families, actually, who have adopted, are in the process of adoption, considering praying about adoption all along the way. So... I wanted to take a little detour there. As someone who has been welcomed into a family through adoption, what what kind of emotions does that, you know, you were 13, you you had to be a very mature 13-year-old because of your life experience to that point. But between 11 and 13, while you're waiting for all of this to transpire, what what kind of things were you able to communicate with your family? Were you able to get to know them at all? You know, what kind of emotions were you experiencing during that time? During the waiting period, it was very, very difficult sure. um, because, you know, I was back at the orphanage and I just kept waiting and waiting for them. And my family, they sent me letters. Um, I think it was one letter a month um, and it was translated into Russian so I could understand it. Um, and I would send letters back to them and they would have a translator translated for them. And they sent me packages, which was really nice. And my dad actually, about halfway through my waiting period, um, traveled to Ukraine with a missions group and came to visit me. Wow. Just to reassure me, you know, we're coming, like, we yeah. love you. You are our daughter. We can't wait to come get you. So that was so reassuring. I was so excited and just helped me realize, okay, this is truly happening. You know, they're not just telling me that they're going to bring me home to the United States. They're not just lying to me. They're, they truly love me. And this is my family. Wow. 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 Yeah. And the, um, the, I can't imagine how, difficult it would be to really try to combat those feelings of this isn't really going to happen there. This is all, you know, just a lie. It's not because you would have to have wrestled with that. So the fact that they were able to not just continually send you reminders, little things, but also that God opened the door for him to take a trip is a pretty amazing mm -hmm. thing. So once you got finally to the States with them, um, 
my my assumption is that they you know clearly if he if he was in tune with the holy spirit's leading they knew the lord they were they were engaged in following and serving him how did that impact your life then in the days ahead yes i mean they knew the lord they attended a local church so just coming into that and you know let me just back paddle real quickly just to just show you how god has worked in my life and my parents's life during that waiting period before my adoption, when my father came to visit me, one of the things that I gifted him with was um, an image of Jesus that I had cross-stitched myself. Um, So I gave that to him. And that was just such a reassuring piece for my parents too, because it was difficult for them too, you know, waiting for me and waiting for the government to tell them, yes, you can come get her. So it was just another way Lord was saying to my parents, Yes, she is your daughter. You know, I'm in control. Trust me. Step out in faith. So that was just an amazing, you know, an amazing detail that I thought I'd sneak in there. But <laughs> come, I mean, coming to to America, my parents being believers, it just it enriched my soul in so many ways. You know, just talking about how God had planted that one seed in my life when I received that shoebox and coming to America and having my parents who are believers, um, having them get involved in Operation Christmas Child together, just allowed for that seed to really grow and to blossom to where we, as a family, you know, started packing shoeboxes every single year. And, you know, we got our family and our friends involved, our communities, our churches. I mean, even like my dentists and my doctors, you know, <laughs> involved. It was just amazing. Well, that's awesome. Well, how I, I can imagine that having your personal story, the impact that it had on you was incredibly impactful in spreading the word and getting others to work with you guys. What was your goal when you started and kind of how did how did that inaugural year of packing end up? So our first year um, of packing shoeboxes, we had a goal of 100 um, and then we ended up packing over 150 shoeboxes. Wow. Um, and then the second year, it was 200. We set a goal of 200, and we packed 268. And then from there, it just grew, and it grew, and it grew. And it, 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 I mean, it's a family tradition because, you know, we know the impact that these shoeboxes have on these children. And so I went to college at Virginia Tech to study, and I brought the project with me, and I started an Operation Christmas Child Club on campus um, with over 300 members. That was really amazing. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, over the years as a family, we have packed over 8,000 shoeboxes. That's incredible. That is so amazing. And when you think of 8,000 young people who have been introduced to the love of Jesus by that simple act that you guys are doing, it is it is overwhelming how God can use that gospel work. So um, that's a really exciting testimony for just the way that they all caught the vision and you guys have done this together. I mean, it's incredible. Praise God. Like you said, 8,000 children, they get to hear the gospel. Wow. You know, just it's encouraging and it's inspiring for me to keep going and to continue to pack shoe boxes because Mm -hmm. From personal experience, I know the impact that these boxes have. And I also know there are many, many children out there that still need to hear the gospel. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to ask you a question about something that you kind of tossed out there. We have a lot of families who have college age 
kids, college age students. You talked about starting a an Operation Christmas Child Club at Virginia Tech. What does that look like? Is that an official thing that you can do? Or is that really just something kind of organic that you were able to put together? And how would somebody go about doing that and mobilizing their friends in that way? I would say it's more of like an organic thing that you can do yourself. Yeah. Um, when I went into college, it was kind of, I was scared, I would say, because, you know, I didn't know where to start, who to talk to, but I would really recommend starting with like fellowship of Christian athletes or maybe another Christian group on campus that you can reach out to connect with and just tell them about this amazing ministry. That's exactly what I did. I connected with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I said, you know, this is amazing Operation Christmas Child. You know, this is what we do. And um, they agreed to pack some shoeboxes with us. And it just kind of grew from there. And, you know, my mom had this amazing idea. Why don't you just start a club? Hmm. So many people want to pack. Why not just do it? So I started a club and um, you know, we packed over the four years. And one of the really cool things that we got to do was that actually get the Virginia Tech football team involved in packing shoeboxes. Wow. Um, and, you know, that's just, that was an amazing experience in its own. And I just remember trying to get a meeting with back then head coach, Coach Beamer. And when I finally got a meeting with him, I walk into his office and he says, you have five minutes, go. I said, <laughs> It's not intimidating at all. <laughs> no, here I am in front of, you know, the head coach and I have five minutes. Okay. Um, so I was like, all right, my name is, you know, Elizabeth. This is Operation Christmas Child. And I was an orphan. So you have to help me. <laughs> I played that orphan card so hard that day and it worked. Um, the team ended up packing so many shoeboxes. Wow. It was just, you know, it was just an amazing experience to see the team come together and become part of something so much bigger than them. Yeah. Yep. Well, that is that is awesome. It's exciting when the Lord brings these kind of special gifts, this this opportunity to really elevate the exposure because of getting this football team and the head coach and stuff involved. That's that's really, really awesome. Um, now, I know that you mentioned earlier before we started recording that something pretty miraculous has happened recently And as, you know, kind of to circle back to your early life story, I would love for you to tell our families what amazing thing has happened and how that has has kind of changed things for you guys. Yes, God has been just working in my life in and out and I can see it every single day. But after 20 years um, of not seeing my sister, uh, God has reunited us as of last year in November. Hmm. Um, And it's just you know, I, a few months before we reunited, I was in the, in the car with my husband on the way home from church. And I remember just telling him, you know, I feel like God is preparing me for something. Hmm. I don't know what it is, but I feel like he's telling me, stand firm in me, stand firm in your foundation, trust me. And, you know, a month later, after I was telling my husband this, I get a random message on Instagram from a journalist in Ukraine who writes to me and yeah, who writes to me and says, um, your sister Tanya is looking for you and we want you to come to Ukraine and meet her. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yes. So as like any normal person at first, I thought that was a scam. You know, I was like, I thought maybe they saw one of my Operation Christmas Child videos since I talk about my sister and some this is somehow a scam. And so for a while, I just, 
did not respond. And, but the journalist was very persistent. And eventually, you know, I said, let's get on the FaceTime call and let's just talk about this so I can learn more about what this is. Hmm. And, you know, we did our FaceTime call and I found out there's, um, uh, TV show that's called one for all. And this is one of the things that they do is reunite families, long lost families. And so my sister watches this show and she had submitted a small paragraph uh, talking about me and her and how we were lost and that she wanted to find me. And so this show picked up her small paragraph and they spent about eight months looking for me and finally found me and wanted to just fly me out to Ukraine so I could meet my sister. And, you know, I was in shock, to be honest, I couldn't believe it. So I did a lot of praying. um, And once again, I felt like, wow, this is maybe this was what he was preparing me for, you know, it is now my time to stand firm and walk in faith and to trust him and to know that he is in control. Um, and so I got up, got on the plane with my father because my husband had work obligations. So we got on the plane and we flew out to Ukraine. Um, we spent about a week in Ukraine during which time we did a lot of filming for the show. And on the second to last day there, um, we did some filming in the studio during which time I got to meet my sister and, oh, it was such an emotional day because I, was not sure what to expect, to be honest. I just had this memory of her in my head as a three, four-year-old. Right, right. So I didn't, I didn't know what she would look like as a grown woman. I had no idea. And so I kept just, you know, in my head, I kept thinking, what would she look like? What would she look like? And nothing would pop into my head. And then finally, when I got to see her walk out in the studio, we ran to each other and we embraced in the hug and we were just crying, crying, crying so much. But I remember thinking, wow, she looks so different, but her big brown eyes are still the same. Wow. I just remember her, those beautiful brown eyes. And it was such a sweet reunion because it, it felt like family and, you know, strangers at the same time. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Have you been able to to remain in contact with her? Have you seen her since then? Yes. So, you know, after our big reunion, we decided to stay in touch. So I went back to United States and I had promised her that I would come back and visit her. Um, And then early in, uh, early this year, war broke out in Ukraine. Right, right. Um, Yes. So it made it very difficult for me to travel back. But during which time, you know, I realized that, we need to do something. We need to get her here to United States. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? But I can't begin to tell you how God moved mountains to get my sister over here to United States. I mean, I can't even tell you way beyond what I can control. But finally, in May um, of this year, her and her um, baby son, he's like, he's actually seven months old. um, My nephew, Vanya, both of them, came over to United States. And so they live here now with me and my husband in Texas. Wow. Wow. So the Lord, and I'm just going to cry. So it's a beautiful story to see how the Lord allowed little girl you to impact her life so profoundly and then allowed adult you who now knows him, who now can show her his love the same way to 
so profoundly impact her life again. And that is an incredible testimony to how the Lord works and his goodness to use his people. So thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. I mean, I'm, I am so thankful that God has given me the opportunity again, you know, to help my sister and the fact that he brought her back to me. You know, I, I realized that, you know, this is my time now to plant seeds in her life. Like he planted a seed with that shoebox when I was at the orphanage and he's gifted me with, with an amazing family. He's brought me over to United States where I'm able to be part of this ministry, to share my testimony, to share the story that he has put on my heart, but then also to share the same things with my sister, you know, 20 years later, wow. I just, I'm so thankful and I praise God. Yes. Praise the Lord. What a, what an amazing story, Elizabeth. We are sadly almost out of time, but I want you to tell our families how they can get involved in this. How can, how can you, you know, take your pitch to mobilize people that you seem to be so, so good at? How can you mobilize our people? What do they do? How do they get involved in Operation Christmas Child so that they too can have that kind of an impact on lives all around the world? Well, it's very, very simple. You can just start by packing with your family, by packing with your kids, by packing with your friends, or even maybe your church is involved in Operation Christmas Child. But what you can do is to get more resources and to get more information, you can go to uh, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Um, where you can get all this information. But our collection week uh, this year is the third week of November, and that is November 14th through the 21st. Right. Um, but I just, you know, it's very easy to get involved, but I want the listeners to remember that, you know, my story is just one story where God used and made just one single, single gift to change my life forever. Hmm. And, you know, I received my shoebox when I was 10. I am 28 now. That's 18 years later, I'm still talking about the impact that this gift has made on me. But there's so many more children out there that need to hear the gospel. And a lot of those children are in Ukraine today. As I mentioned, there's a war going on. Children are suffering and children are being orphaned. And I just want to say that there's no better time than right now to plant, the, to plant those seeds and to share the gospel with children and not just a children in Ukraine, but children all over the world. And you can do that by simply packing a shoebox from the comfort of your own home. Yep. And have a lot of fun as a family while you do it too. We always, always, always made an event out of it. It was, it was a great time for us. And, you know, to the kids, they were personifying these children that were going to get these gifts. They were so careful in the way that they chose those elements because it was a very personal thing to them. And so what you're able to instill in your children by participating in this is for, to help them see that the world is so much bigger than what they can see and that people need Jesus's love all around the world and to give them a little piece of making that happen. So there is there are very few tools that are as good for discipleship, both for your family and for those who will benefit from it, um, that are this easy to get involved with. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your story and for telling us about Operation Christmas Child today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. 
You are very welcome. Everyone else, I know that you have enjoyed Elizabeth's story as much as I have. It is exciting to hear how God works. It's amazing to see his hand just directing lives um, and doing things that only he can do. We serve a great and mighty God. And I want to encourage you to help them, help Operation Christmas Child, help Elizabeth to show that love to to others all around the world. Get involved in this ministry. Get your kids. Go pack some shoeboxes. November 14th through 21st, like she said, is the National Collection Week. We're going to be telling you a lot about it as uh, we get even closer. But I guarantee you there are a number of places in your community that will make it very easy for you to drop those boxes off. And then I love the, the feature where you can kind of follow where it goes. So you're able to see where your box is going and you can pray much more strategically and specifically for the children who will be impacted. So check that out. We're going to give you all of those links in the show notes so that you don't have to go looking for a thing. We'll make it super easy, but get involved in that. Have a wonderful rest of your day and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.